Welcome to the one within all to another episode of the Interverse podcast. I'm your host, Chance. And tonight we're going to enjoy a fun chat with my new friend, Terry Hunter, a kick-ass tarot card reading astrologer, Reiki master, and fierce teacher of several self-empowerment tools. Following the recent interview I did with Dr. Thomas Zinser, where we learned of his ongoing relationship with a disincarnate spiritual teacher, one that resulted in constant, verifiable, and actionable intelligence that helped him to help his clients. I've been much more interested than before in learning more about how some people have an ability to seek out wisdom from the subjective realm through psychic gifts and intuition. And that's where Terry comes in. As her Yelp reviewers will confirm, Terry is like a big sister with your guardian angels on speed dial. She frequently astounds clients by answering all of their varied premeditated questions before those questions can even be verbalized. Tonight, we'll learn a lot more about her work, what it's like to do this sort of thing, and the steps she took in life to be capable of trusting her intuitive knowledge while grounding it all in healthy, healthy life-affirming habits and realistic wisdom. And we'll be exploring the many tools in her magical kit, including her insights on the upcoming astrological climate. And if you'd like her help in taking charge of your life, come to deeper recognition of the absolute power of your free will choices, or just get your astrology chart read. Check the link below in the show notes for terryhunter.com. And now it is time we get into it. So please join me in welcoming the ambassador of angels and empress of empowerment, Terry Hunter, to the show. Thanks for being here and welcome to the universe. What a lovely uh, intro, uh, intro that was. I like that at the end. That was fun. <laughs> I just think of myself as a normal person. So uh, here, the empress of empowerment, that made me feel a little woo. <laughs> well, <thank laughs> well, it's my job. I got I to gotta wind up the guests before thank we start. You. I appreciate it because that really is my goal with this work is actually just that, is to empower people to live their best life, to be brave in their co-creation. And as you said, you know, I use a, a variety of mediums to facilitate that. So it's fun. Yeah, to be to be a full disclosure with everybody, I found out about Terry because my lovely wife, Jennifer, had a reading with you not long after she moved here. And basically all the stuff that you told her <laughs> ended up coming true pretty much right around the corner. And she did not know, uh, you know, the the plans I had. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I didn't ruin any of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you just gave her the confidence to, uh, you know, accept moving across to a new country and have a, a positive attitude about it. Not that she needed it. She's very positive. Shout out <laughs> Jenny G in the chat. But yeah, why don't you introduce yourself to us? You know, what's your take on your own story and what you do? Well, I kind of, you know, it's interesting to me because, you know, we talk astrology and I have a, uh, I have a Taurus moon. And so when I started this work, I almost started it inadvertently, really. Um, I was a seeker. I was a teenager with a lot of issues, you know, let's go to the psychic eye (laughs) and kind of explore. And then as I started to do that, I found myself um, inadvertently all the things that I had felt like as a child. And my dad used to always tell me I was too sensitive. I was too... um, you know, I expected too much out of the world in the way of what was capable and possible for people. And and that God decided everything that was going to happen to me. And when he said that, that got me mad, actually, because a lot of the challenges I had, I was like, well, why would God pick me? Why wouldn't God pick that person or, or this person? And I kind of felt like I was holding the short stick. So what I started doing is just asking questions, not out loud, but within my head. And when I started asking questions inside my head, I felt like there were various different ways that the answers came back to me. And at first I just thought I was like making it up and, you know, oh, forget about it, you know. And then I started to um, say, if this is really an intuition or this is really a conversation with you, then I want to hear I want to see something three times to confirm that this is actually a message or an intuitive hit, as they say. Putting them to the test. Right. Exactly. Let's test the theory. And um, my part, okay, was to be brave in the information that came through. And it was easy when I was just reading the tarot cards for my friends. They'd be like, oh, you're so good. And I'd be like, I think I just know you really well. And and because I know you, my Mercury is in Scorpio. It's right real close to Neptune. So I'm kind of psychologically pre-wired, you know, to see. You know the things about them that they didn't want you to know. <laughs> yeah, kind of psychologically pre-wired to see their pattern, to see the way that they roll. So I really wasn't sure what was going on, to be honest with you. And Then there came a moment when I literally said to the universe, you know what, if I'm meant to do this work, I'll step through a brave moment. I will put myself out there and see what happens. And my very first uh, encounter with strangers doing a reading was my neighbor worked for Lululemon, the yoga pant company, you know, yoga clothing, and they were doing a charity event. So I volunteered to do readings at the charity event and I walked into the venue and this woman turns around and it's my landlord from, I don't know, three, four years prior. I never told her what I did because I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo, to be honest with you. And she's like, oh my God, you have to do a reading for me. You have to do a reading for me. She sits down and literally her whole marriage had imploded, according to what they were telling me. And she started to want to talk and I wouldn't let her. I said, no, let me, let me say what they're, what I'm feeling. And then you can validate that. And this became sort of a precedent for me was to not let the person talk because if they give me backstory, I feel like they lead me down a certain 
road. But if I never, if they don't, then I'm, I feel like I, I, what they know that I tell them gives weight to what they don't know that I tell them. So here I am like tuning into this woman and oh my God, like talk about implosion. When I knew them, they were happily in love. Everything was great. And so I go on and of course it was a pretty mundane cheating story and no offense to that story, but it's kind of mundane and routine. So anyway, the only thing I got wrong was I thought the husband had stepped out and she had stepped out of the marriage. So it was the only thing that I had wrong. And from that moment on, I felt like if you put it in my head, if you put it in my heart, I'm going to be brave enough to say it. And then they started putting things in my head that were a little bit assertive or a little bit blunt. And I had to learn how to be diplomatic and how to approach what was being put in my head. And so it just became a little bit like, building a language with your dog or your pet because you're not really hearing words. You're interpreting symbols. And the more I allowed my personal symbols to mean more weight to me than say what I had learned in a book, the more accurate I became. So it wasn't like, you know, this, this is the symbol for a cup, right? Or a glass. Um, as I identified it as a mason jar, then they would use that to tell me something more specific. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Like maybe in that context, it would have something to do with like making more than just, you know, because cups also have that water element, creativity association. Well, it isn't sitting in front of me. It, it's more to identify that spirit suddenly said, oh, Terry resonates with this when she sees it. So when I see a mason jar, I actually see like a farmhouse, a more earthy experience in, in drinking. You know, I've got my little mint in there. So if they want me to see something more earthy, they'll put something I associate with that in my mind, or I'll have a memory of something. So what happened for me is in building my language with my team, I stopped trying to figure out what they were saying to me and I started confirming how I was getting, oh, well, this is how it's coming across to me. Is that correct? And that's where the three times comes in. And that's when I started to get super brave because I got to tell you, I don't see anything visually with my eyes. One time in my whole life, I visually heard, I mean, uh, audibly heard something where spirit said, leave that building right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I bolted, but very rarely for me, have I, I mean, I know it to be true because I've had these rare experiences where I've seen an angel or I've seen, or I've heard something, but it is so rare. I mean, I'm of a certain age and it's maybe happened three, four times in my whole life. And they were, it was extreme distress except for the, the audible one. So what I learned was that when I tune in, I'm not tuning out of being Terry. I'm tuning out of my ego's need to be right. Which is where the fear comes in of like, what if I say something and I get it wrong? Or, or you say crazy things like a lot of people call you as a psychic and say, is my spouse cheating? <laughs> That's like the most common question. It's, a, it's a more common than, you know. If you have to ask. Well, they're volatile questions that you. I feel a certain responsibility in how 
I approach them because you don't know who's going to end up on the evening news if you tell them the wrong thing, right? So I feel like, like, because there's it, it, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes there's a gray area, and I think that there's a certain amount of responsibility that we have when we when we connect. Because this is what I think happens to me, Chance. When somebody calls and wants to book a session with me, I literally feel like they're a pre-qualified lead. Like somewhere spirit knows how I do my job and they take my talents and they plug them into somebody who they will resonate with. So therefore, I feel safe in that regard. Then I feel like we all have shadow side and our shadow side is part of our co-creation. So if you're if you're in a challenging situation, you're part of the equation, right? So. There's a part of spirit that uses me to identify your participation in the situation. So when we talk about Jenny, we could say this, her participation was to trust her heart versus letting her head say, I've only known this guy for five minutes. He lives in another state. What if he's a serial killer? What if he's going to dump me? What if I'm, you know what I mean? Like, like you would literally could go. And so in the trusting of me learning to trust my heart and the information that came through, it made me help people trust their heart because frankly, Jenny had to really, she could listen to me. She could say, Oh, Terry, but it it wasn't me. It was her inner knowing going, what she's saying is true. You get it. So I never feel like it's all me telling somebody something. I feel like it's, that's why. So let me explain to the audience a little bit of how I operate, because I think this is very important. You're doing it right now. Like you're, you're going into, I'll, I'll start thinking of, you know, here's what I'm going to ask when she stops talking. And then you just go into answering that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, kind of, that happens a lot with me, but for new people, what I have them do is I have them write all their questions down. I say, get as detailed as you want. I'm never going to see this list. You can bring it and put it on the table. I'm still not going to look at it. But what it does is it's a focal point where you're engaging and inviting your guides. And then they literally set up a conference call with my guides. And as I tune in, I mean, I had a lady the other day, I didn't even turn a card over and I must have talked for 10 to 15 minutes all about, you know, relationships and separating and coming back together. And her whole thing was about a relationship that felt like it was separating and would it come back together and da, 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 da. So it was very interesting to me because it's, it is tuning out of my ego, surrendering to the impressions, the memories that are triggered and all of these things that they use. And as I trust that information, it becomes what they call accurate. So it's, it's a very interesting thing. And I know kind of part of what we had previously talked about is who are, who is this team? Who are these folks on the other side? And, and I was thinking about what we talked about the other day when I told you I had two guides that I could identify and then I had three in shadow. And I started to think about that today when I was meditating and I thought two are technically DNA relatives, but neither of them are actually guides. I I need to point that out because they're not giving me my information, but I think they've been holding space for me as I got to a vibration to allow the information to come through. And then the other three that are always in shadow, which is just like a silhouette for me, it makes, it's always made me feel as if 
trusting that not having to know their names, their what do they look like? Are they men? Are they women? What what era in history do they you know resonate with? It, it's part of the trust factor. It's part of the because I'm not sure when you get to certain realms that there is a body. I'm not sure that they identify the way I would see another human. So I think by seeing in them in shadow, I'm supposed to, or I get to, because there's no supposed to, feel the vibration, feel and trust. And it's a, it's a co, it's a co-creation of my trust by not having to identify them as a certain entity, not having to have a name attached to them, not having to put human parameters on something that is so not human. Yeah. I mean, being a shadowy outline is in a way like being in the realm of potential could be, this could be that it's like a more unlimited space for a psyche to operate because one of the things that people in our lives can do <laughs> to to us, well, they can either provide a powerful, loving witness that through that observation and willing of expansion of potentials, which is what love is, and wanting you to be able to have the most free will choice you can. That's what a loving witness would do. You get like power added to your... <laughs> I don't know, manifestations or your creative ability. But if you go around saying like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you haven't really taken any steps to materialize that thing. And you tell some of the wrong people with the intent of like gaining some kind of energetic bump out of, uh, you know, feeling cool. Like I have this idea and I'm going to do it. The wrong witness, <laughs> the, you know, the, the jealous or the fearful or, or what have you type of witness can actually, in a way, like restrict some of your potentiality. There's a, an energetic constriction that goes on there. So well, I think of highly probable in, you know, in this human condition, because the, 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 the person that's actually walking the earth and thinking they're doing things, you know, and just living their life, they're going to ask you, how are you going to do something? And that's the first kibosh, you know, is that you, you're inspired. I'm going to go be an actor. Well, how are you going to do that? You know, and that's like, and then with that, we get in our head because the road to how we get there is never paved in our brain. It's a series of baton passes. You know, you get an inspired thought. I'm going to go try to be a YouTuber. Then, you know, what am I going to talk about? Oh, and you think, oh, no, what will people like? Well, everybody likes something different. So if you go out there, then you're going to get wrapped up in all that ego stuff of, I hope I make them happy. I hope they like me. I hope people, you know, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I, I always, and maybe I'm a crazy Aries, you know, selfish person, but I always come back. I'm an Aries rising, by the way. I'm a Libra sun. So, but my yeah, Aries are two out of three of our big three. Aries sun, Libra moon, Leo right. rising. Okay. And I'm, I'm a, uh, Taurus moon and uh, Libra sun and an Aries rising. So I used to tease my clients. I would say, I'm going to ram you a little. I'm going to bully you a little. And then I'm going to want you to love me a lot. <laughs> but, 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 oh, and I thought I had this turned off. No matter what I do, I turn the phone off and it still dings. But in any case, um, where I was, where I was going kind of with this is that I really feel like this is a, a co-creation with more than just um, 
a single entity or group of people. I feel like as we walk through this dense experience, we have different guides that come in with the different ventures. And we have some that I believe are, are contracted. I don't want to say assigned because I believe we co-create even that relationship before we come into this physical experience. Some hold space for us throughout our whole lives, master guide. Then we have what I call our heavenly hosts, our team that, that also stays with us, sort of like, like a family. And then we have guides that come and go as they bring their expertise in vibration into various endeavors that we encounter. So, for instance, now I would would not be surprised if a lot of your guides aren't just about delving into uh, the inner verse as you as you've greatly named your your YouTube channel, but also working with you to be brave about your exploration, about the various topics that could be very controversial for some people, you know, and and I think that that's that's a big one right now. So when I think of of the North Node moving into Aries. You know, do I see more individuality? Yes, but I also see the bravery of our individuality that will bring a cohesiveness that puts us together. I always think I, t- I talk a lot on my channel about the Aries Libra axis being two me's bringing together a we, not I'm suddenly merged into somebody else. I don't know. I kind of drifted a little bit there, but I think it's almost the same thing with our guides. And I was, I was meditating today and, and my guides were saying, um, I don't know if a lot of people are, uh, that are watching may not know how to connect with their own personal team. That's and, definitely something I want to get into. Okay, great. Because I, I was talking to my guides and they said, the first thing that you can do is look at where your Mercury is in your chart. <laughs> and I went, really? Nobody ever thinks of Mercury as as an intuitive planet. You know, we think of it as emails and human communications and short bits of information. And I laughed then because I thought, well, no, that makes sense because they use a lot of my mercurial dynamics to connect people I've talked to, television shows I've watched, people I've listened to. So I'll get that image in my head when I'm doing a reading or an image of something I've seen, heard, read, or somebody's taught me or something, and it will be applicable to the other person. So when I thought about myself, I thought, well, my Mercury's in Scorpio. So I get that's why I'm kind of a psychological pattern. Uh, where's the imprint, the co-creator for your power? If you're in a if you're in a water sign, you can use that element. If Mercury's in a water sign, you can use that element of water, whether it be you know sitting near a fountain, listening to a stream, going literally to a body of water, and use that water to help you connect with your guides and your angels. If you're an air sign, you might want to use guided meditation or use your, more of your um, allowing your thoughts to be in a way floating on the airwaves that allow you to. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of like an, a muscle that you have to exercise. Even if you're naturally talented, if you don't use your intuitive stuff, it kind of loses its muscle. And even if you're an awkward singer, I was thinking like a singing voice, if you practice, you'll get better at it. So I feel like if you look in your chart, because I, I think about my moon and my mercury are in opposition, but my mercury 
my moon is not, I don't know if my moon is where I'm intuitive. Even though you would think it would be, it's in an earth sign. So I feel like it's Mercury. So that's where I was going because I thought if you're a fire sign, you should run or move. Your workouts could be a meditation. And in that meditation, you could get messages that at first, maybe you're not intuiting for someone else, but you're intuiting for yourself. Because when you know runner's high, when you run far enough, that's when you get into that meditative zone. So I started to think for the audience, this just came to me today, that if you look where your Mercury is and actually look where your house of your Mercury is, because if you have Mercury in Scorpio, but it's in the second house instead of the eighth house, it could have a subtle nuance that's different in how you could disengage the ego or the, the conscious mind to allow the unconscious mind to bubble up, to allow you to get these intuitive hits that are very much going to feel like your own brain talking to you. And then it's the validation. It's when it actually when you let it come out, I got this inspired hit to go this direction. And then I ended up running into this person and this person knew da 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 that was giving me a job lead. I mean, that's kind of how you have to kind of practice it a little bit, play with it a little bit and then assign it. Like I literally will say to my guides, um, I'm trying to think of, of, of a specific sign that I have because I kind of have signs that are, have dual purpose, but. Um, I'll let you crunch on that. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of charting mercury for your own natal positions and using where it's at as a possible way to figure out your own ability to communicate with guidance. I think that's really cool. I was contemplating that because, okay, so Full disclosure, my Mercury is in Pisces in my eighth house. So oh, it's a, a watery house. You, yeah, make you super intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and so my moon where my so water has to do with feelings and emotions a lot of the time. My moon position is basically in opposition to that Mercury over in Libra. So my personal emotional climate tends to be just like, even keel, pretty much balanced. <laughs> and I've noticed for, in terms of like psychic ability, my greatest way of tapping into that does seem to be when I'm exploring other people's feelings. <laughs> and even that, like when I start to have intense feelings, it's usually coming from the other more than me because my feelings are usually pretty chill, <laughs> even in intense situations. So like an example, for me, I do this thing called biofield tuning. I mentioned it a little bit too when we talked on the phone, but I'm basically able to use the anatomy of the human energy field to pull out information about the person. It's a type of language in a way that the body can speak to us through. And an example I would give is from a few days ago, I had a client where I hit this spot at the root chakra level on the left side, where at about three or four years of age, the, like, so the biofield anatomy gives me the ability to know what kind of feelings it is and about what age it is. And then knowing the feeling of it in, intellectually is where I start to get the things pop into my mail slot and I have in, like a full on intuitive knowing about something. So I hit this spot of stuck energy with my tuning fork about three or four years old. And all of a sudden, so I knew that this area had to do with 
feeling unsupported or feeling like you need to hide or or not act or stay stay hidden it's kind of like simulating laziness but it's out of a type of fear i hit this spot and all of a sudden i had this mental image pop into my head of this little kid that was the little girl version of this client holding on to an older lady and then running off and like hiding somewhere in the house and i and what came to me all of a sudden my interpretation of it was okay this person had a i already knew there was rough stuff going on with their parents because of other things we'd uncovered in the session and all of a sudden it just came in a fully formed knowledge that she used to hide and not want to go home when she was being taken care of by a relative i thought it was a grandmother but it turned out it was an aunt but basically that entire description i gave of like your parents came to pick you up and you were trying to hide and not go home. And that was like something that apparently did happen at least once or regularly that she remembered because she had such a more loving experience with that aunt. So for me personally, when I'm already equipped with knowing what the type of feelings are, or I'm sensing the feelings myself because we're in proximity, then I seem to be able to get <laughs> sometimes fully fledged, very developed bits of knowing just come right in in a in like a flash where I, I've, I've learned to trust it because it's different than trying to construct a puzzle out of pieces like a pattern recognition thing that's a big part of the practice too uh the more intellectual side logical side but when the idea comes in fully formed like you didn't think it through it's just like boom here's the whole full-fledged idea that's one way to that's something that's worth trusting it's like that when you they say you see your life flash before your eyes, it's that same kind of quick picture. It's not fully formed in like do, 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 but you feel it all in one millisecond. And I want to say this, because as you were talking, I felt like the Libra moon part of you gave logic to the device that points you in the right direction. But I would not give that device credit for what you intuited from it. That was all your own. And because in that moment you were egoless because you deferred to the device as having the all being knowledge and it just pointed you in the right direction. But, you know, what is the device without the head? You know, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you needed to be able to turn in the direction to be able to flesh that out. The minute you said she was clinging to the woman, I thought exactly what you thought, that she didn't want to go home, that she was going to go hide, that, you know, you get home and it's all cranky and, and you know. And why that mattered for her was we were uncovering the reason why as an adult, and for her whole life, she would feel reluctant to leave the house unless she absolutely had to. Like she wanted to stay home and do nothing, even though other parts of her wanted to, you know, get out there and have a good time. But there was this reluctance and this like anxiety and fear that she didn't know where it was coming from. And it was all rooting back to these early experiences where she didn't feel safe. She didn't feel safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things about your you said your Mercury's in Pisces, right? Yeah. Um, the, when the South Node is in Pisces, one of the big things themes is to regain your faith. You know, like faith has been dashed. It's a very religious uh, house overall. And it kind of occurred to me because, um, as you said, you know, I'm assuming this is Placidus that you're talking about when you say leave her second house that we're drifting into. Yeah. Or are you talking whole sign? Placidus. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, there's something about this idea that that um, I think it's re, you're in this lifetime, the Libra 
moon is keeping you in balance so you don't get blindsided by being overly faithful to something and then being killed by it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like that these device, the device that you're using at some point, while all these devices are great, I feel like they're only really as good as the person who's willing to be the hose for spirit's message, you know, like the wider birth you can give it. And this is giving yourself grace not to be right. I remember, you know, we touched on this when we talked yesterday. I had a client who'd be like, because I had said a lot of things to her because things happen not immediately either. That's the other thing. People put a timeline in their head of how and when things are supposed to roll. And it doesn't, you know, that I cannot even really predict. I, I try to satiate the client by giving them a timeline. But unless they let me look at their astrology chart, it's super because they're they're creating it. But I guess where I was going with this is I feel like in this situation right now with what you're doing, it's giving you this beautiful balance of being able to use your intuitive gifts, regain your faith in humanity, being compassionate as we stretch beyond the compartments that we have lived in, Saturn, Pluto, and in and, and Capricorn, breaking all those compartments up, all those rules and regulations. So here, I feel like it's great. It's also a seven-year which is a Libra year for me, which is about Libra represents sort of this looking at things from a more unemotional way. So you can really weigh the scales, right? You can really look at things. So I feel like this is really a beautiful way for you to present this material to your audience in a way that seems logical, in a way that seems balanced. And yet at the same time, feels as if it encourages even greater depths of your own. And I use the word spirituality, but I would like to use the word co-creation because that's what I think spirituality is, is an awareness of our co-creation and, you know, a constant uh, recalibrating towards that dynamic, <laughs> if that made sense, I hope. Absolutely. I want to go back to the guides some more, though, and ask you if, if you ever been able to make out the nature of other people's guides or describe their team to them at all? Well, you know, these are the kind of... Uh, honestly, the tricks of the trade that I try to stay away from. I want to give you solid information that you can verify, which is why I really love this, the way spirit, I like that. spirit guided me about the questions. Don't see the questions, have them write them because you know what happens? They're like, oh my God, you got to all my questions. I didn't even ask you any of them. And when someone comes to me, um, I, I kind of a little bit brutal because I recently had someone, I'm like, what category, you know, marriage, uh, oh, I'm sorry, what category, love, career, health. And she turned and she said, tell me about my marriage. And I was like, you just gave me a piece of information. You just told me you're married. You just told me you're worried about your marriage because like, what about, you know, so now you've pulled a string. So as an intuitive, don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't give anybody any information so that I can, because what I, I don't want to wow you. I want you to believe that this is real. It's a different, it's a diff. I don't want to wow you. I want you to trust that they're giving me the information that you asked to hear. You asked for this guidance. So like we can go back to Jenny. She's falling in love with this handsome guy. He lives far away. She's betting her life. Her eggs could be dying. God only knows, you know, <laughs> people think all these things, right? And yet 
somewhere when she had her reading with me, which I don't remember at all very, to be honest with you, um, she heard a truth that her inner soul, her inner voice knew was a truth. So I actually don't take any credit for anything. I think it's a big combination of spirit nudging that person to me because they know I'll be brave enough to say whatever comes through. And that if that resonates with and gives them the, the wings to fly, to bet on themselves, to take that risk, then my job is done. I like that. <laughs> what you're talking about. I call it the, what you were talking about at the beginning there, I call it the party trick where some, every once in a while you have a client that's waiting for the razzle dazzle before they kind of get fully on board with the process. Although making sure that there's like a healthy investment that they have to make into it. One, and I say healthy as in for you as the practitioner, it's what you actually need. You're asking, you're not, you know, trying to give more than you get in terms of the reciprocation. You know, if there's the healthy investment, then a lot of times people, they will be prone to get the most out of the situation, regardless of how much wow there is in the, oh, the party trick, as I call it. That's just an archetype of the human nature. Right. <laughs> and, and frankly, the more unsure and insecure and the less they recognize the co-creation, the more they want more, more, more. And, and that's part of, you know, I, I, when I get frustrated, I always say to myself, you know what? If there aren't people like that, I don't really have a job. <laughs> so so I, I surrender a little bit to it, you know? I surrender. I, I, cause I, the the thing about it is that I, I have no better way to say this. I remember when I first started working, the word psychic really bothered me because it felt very disempowering to the client. Like you're going to come to me and I'm going to do some magical thing and tell you all about your life. And woo. Auntie Cleo with the magic ball. <laughs> exactly. ball. exactly. And, um, and I remember being super cheeky one day and somebody called and said, I'd like to book a psychic reading. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't believe in psychics. And they were like, what, what? I, wait. And they looked out at the phone number. Like, did I call? Da, da, da. And I'm like, and then I explained to that person what I thought I did, which is essentially when you come, you give me permission to go into your energy field. You give me permission to come into your energetic house, just like I'd be going to your house if you're having a party. And in that, you have written these questions down. So you've engaged your team and they're always there, whether you know it or not, they're always there. And that team has a conversation with my team and my team works on my ego to be quiet so that I can give that specific information. I can, you know, because sometimes when it's challenging information, like someone's crossing over or you know, it's sometimes it's, it's weird. I, I, cause sometimes world events impact us greatly, you know? Um, so but like before, oh, I definitely see that in the people's energy field. I liken it to there, you know, when there's a forest fire and then you go and examine some tree stumps decades later in the forest, you see that there's like this burned ring on all the trees at the same, that marks the same year. Right. And in people's energy field, things like 9-11 or cooties, both of those things tend to leave uh, like a, a collective imprint like that. Well, that I will tell you, it did leave one on me because I was young in my in my not young in age, but I was young in 
my trusting my connection, starting to think that I was developing something that I would build upon later. And two weeks before 9-11, I was a wreck. I was, I am not a nervous person. I don't have anxiety attacks. I don't walk around looking over my shoulder. And I was flipped out. Like, I can't even tell you, like on, on like a million times, I can't even tell you how bad it was. And it was interesting because two things were happening simultaneously while that happened. I started watching John Edward crossing over on the sci-fi channel. Okay. John Edward, the famous medium. And he was a great teacher of mine because he was the one that taught me to use the file cabinet of my memories. Don't worry about what your guides are wearing. Don't worry about what their names are. Just let them use your file cabinet and you will feel connected to them because you're not looking at the person. You're looking at the reasonable facsimile. Then I watched the first, I think it was the first season, I'm not sure, of Big Brother. And I came in in the last four episodes. And the guy that got voted off in the last four episodes was a fireman by the name of Angel. And Angel made it home to New York just in time to be there for 9-11. And he did not make it through 9-11. And it hit Whoa. me. It hit, I, like to this day, when I think about that memory, I have incredible, like crazy chills. I never knew that person, but the impact of that situation, I started to direct my guides. I told them, if there is something I have no influence over, I don't want to know. I don't want to predict. I don't want to be Nostradamus. I don't want to predict the fall of, of things. I'm not interested in that work. You know, I want to uplift. So before 9-11, I'm, I'm sorry, before the, the boogie bugs came, I like the way you put that, the cootie bugs came, I was seeing all this crazy stuff that I thought was way in the future. I saw homeschooling. I saw people working from home. I saw all the effects of it, but I didn't see the actual impetus of it. And I thought that was very interesting because it was their way to get around my directive because I don't want to know. What can I do? Panic for months on end? I don't need that. I'm still living in a human body. I still have my own, you know, self of uh, survival stuff going on. But it was also interesting, too, because without realizing it in hindsight, they had been coaching me for two years to start to clean up my food act. And, you know, they never asked me to clean it up for my intuition. They never asked me, well, if you don't eat sugar, you'll be more intuitive. They wanted me to clean up my act because of my immune system. And I never got the bug, never got close to it, barely got sick. <laughs> I, I want to back you up to where you're talking about using the filing cabinet of your own memories. Can you expand on that? Because that sounds like a tool that people might be able to latch on to. Could oh, you totally. teach that as you were taught it? Oh, it's the greatest tool. And this is where you can literally like get off this live and start utilizing that immediately. Okay. And this is how you start to build it. When you are like for me, okay, first thing I do before I start a session, before I start a live like this, anytime I'm doing my work. I always say, thank you, spirit, for the opportunity. Now I ask my ego to step aside so that spirit may step through with clear, detailed, and accurate information for all, the highest good of all. And I only invite energies equal to or higher than my own. Then when I start to tune in and like, if I see 
for instance, if I see an, okay, here's a, here's a good one. I was, um, cause I want to tell you something that's odd and weird. I was doing a Reiki session for a guy at the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. Like I had been hired for the day to do a bunch of little introductory things and we're in this dark room and all of a sudden I kind of hear, but I don't really hear it, but I feel like I hear it, this creaky door. And then I hear red, red, and it's Blake Shelton singing that song, whatever red, red he had a few years ago. And I look down at the guy and I'm like, do you have someone on the other side? I felt like the door opening was something from the other side. And I said, like, is your mom on the other side? I don't know why I said it, but I did. Because I felt like I just was feeling like this mom energy. And he goes, yeah. I go, I keep hearing the weirdest thing in my head. It's Blake Shelton singing red, 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 red. He goes, my mom's name was Red Adilla. What a weird name. <laughs> what a weird name. But, but using a song that I actually only heard on the radio, you know, it was a Blake Shelton song. It felt totally out of context. So my point is this, is that if you direct your team, if you ask them a question, because you must ask, you know, you, you can't just expect them to intervene. Your parents don't run, run in when you're having a bad date and pluck the guy, you know, maybe they do, but for the most part, they don't. So when you ask, then there's this exchange of sort of impressions, memories, feelings you'll get that already are associated with something you know. Here's a great example. If I see a red apple in my head, I think of a school teacher or some sort of educational dynamic. If I see a green apple in my head, I think it's more health related. So I established that with my guides. So when you start to say to your guides, when I see this particular animal in nature, I, I see this, then you'll get this feeling. And if you're unsure, then you say, was that a, was that a, were you giving me a sign? And then you'll see something that relates to that again. And then you'll see it again. And you have to ask for it. And once you see it three times, you can be pretty sure that that is a real affirmative. And so when it's in, it's going to sound like your own voice. It's going to be like your own memories. It's going to not feel like they show you on TV where the, wah, 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 wah. there's none of that. No, there's none of that. I wish there was kind of, it would make it easier to I, be like, well, there it is, but it's, it's more subtle. And then as you start to build that language, I have to reference the dog thing again. You'll start to trust your dog knows when you put a hand up like this to stop or however you communicate. And it's the same way. And the more you identify with that, I wrote down um, in my meditation, surrender the ego, stop asking where it's coming from, trust the information because it's always going to be too good to be true. Okay. If it's up there, you're probably closer because the human will tell you you can't. Spirit will tell you you can. Okay. Then the courage to believe you're connecting. Because I, the thing about me is I was always, this sounds just like me in my head, but it's too nice. See, I'm not that nice. So I thought it must be something else. And then consistency. Because I kept going back over and over again and sort of re-asking. So I saw this. So if this is true, then this will happen or this, not this will happen. I didn't tell them what to do. I was open to the information as it came through. I wish I could think of more examples because I should have millions of them, but none of them are coming into my mind right now. Well, so to be, you know, just to recap, this one, something I like to do when I'm playing the most is 
encapsulate what the guest said in my summary, <laughs> make sure I'm getting it. For this technique you're describing, you basically, ah, this makes so much sense to me. You ask for it to be delivered to you in that way, basically. Yes. You say, show me, give me the information about what it is I want to know through the metaphor of my own memories and experiences or my own symbolic language. And then that's the prompt, that's the prompt that you're getting. Yes. But it's also, there's like, there's weird things like that. I want the subtleties is what I want people to pay attention to. So recently I have been engaging in some nostalgia. Okay. Saturn went into my 12th house. I've been listening to more classical music and I've been doing a little uh, stroll down memory lane to one of my childhood television shows. Now, as I've been watching that, it reminds me of living with my grandparents, et cetera, et cetera. So it took me down a conversation with my guides. The next thing you know, I am noticing things on this television show that are reminding me of my grandparents. Now, one of them was the, the credits. There were certain names that were resonating. And one in particular is the name Arthur. And I have only seen it on one credit card. You know, I was expecting to see it continuously, you know, the name is because it was a music uh, credit, um, but it only came one time. And in that particular day, I was having a lot of nostalgic about my parents. I mean, my grandparents. So I saw on the television show, my grandmother's first name. I saw the teacher had my, the, the teacher in the show had my grandmother's first name and my last name. The music composer had my grandfather's name. There were subtleties that I noticed within the show that were answering the question as I was conversing with my grandparents on the other side. Did I feel like they were there, right? Oh, Terry. No, I did not. But did I on some level feel like they're in my grandmother loved astrology. She's been hanging out with me. She always wanted to live in Laguna beach and be an artist and do astrology. And I'm living that life, you know, and my grandfather, you know, they're integral to my history. So I started to notice weird things. And and this is the other thing. So when I worked, when I was younger, I worked in Hollywood and I used to get to go to premieres and all sorts of fun stuff. And I invited my father, only time my dad and I, I can remember really doing anything alone. I invited him to this movie called Field of Dreams. Okay. And I here cut to 30 years later, the movie is my dad is dead and I rent the movie on cable. And for the first time ever, when Ray meets Ray Liotta's character for the first time, the mom, um, Amy or whatever her name is, is on the porch and she turns to the little girl and she says, come on, pumpkin, let's go inside. I had never heard that before. My dad used pumpkin as my uh, familiar sweet name when I was a little girl. And this movie, I directly relate to my father. I also use this movie as if you build it, they will come. If you build your YouTube channel, they will come. If you build your practice, they will come. So I flipped out because when I saw that, I was like, rewind, rewind, rewind. Did I hear what I thought I heard? Because that to me, after all those years of, of never noticing that felt like in that moment, it was a sign of support from the other side. I totally get that. You know, you might even one way you might play with this power is if you're on a long drive <laughs> and you decide to ask a question and then just start paying attention to what you're passing by. You might just see a billboard that has a specific direct answer to what you just asked. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said that because 
I knew a gal named Gita who passed away when she was about 48 years old. And her best friend, when that took place, I remember calling her best friend. They know what I do. And I said, you're going to get a sign from Gita. Don't worry. And it's going to be big and it's going to be obvious. She goes, oh, I already did. I said, oh, really? What was it? She goes, I was going through an airport and painted on the wall. It said, hi, from Gita. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really fun way. <laughs> Traveling up. Op- opens up the possibilities with that even more powerfully, I think, because you're in environments that are fresher and newer and, you know, it's not the old ruts. Um, So one thing though, I wanted to tell this story. It's not like really a big story, but I've had what I think to have, I think I have a a guide or a supporter or a loving witness that is a, uh, a grandmother from many generations back on one side, because there are some people I, I reckon that have the type of psychic intuition where they actually kind of see stuff rather than yeah, hear yeah. it or, or have more of a sentience about it. And uh, I've had more than one unrelated psychic to use that dirty word <laughs> person uh, offer to me that they were aware of a, like, uh, an older woman in native America. Oh no. And, watches me and then my screen just flashed because <laughs> yeah, you've you strobed for i mean you you froze for a moment yeah well there you go she's giving us a sign right there <laughs> well that's so how, interesting how cool uh you know i absolutely believe that there are layers and layers of things so the idea that you would have a native american would be very very um you know we think of the white man a lot when we think of Pisces religion. Okay. I actually found out what relative, like what grandmother it was. There is a person that matches that description in the ancestry. I found out later. I love that. Who was a, a, a medicine woman. Like she died with her, her tools of the trade that she never passed forward to anybody, but that she had received folk knowledge from who knows how far back. And she had nobody to pass it to. Cause it was like taboo. And look down upon. So I kind of think she's she passing now. Hangs out with me because I'm the first person in her lineage that's actually interested in the healing arts of any kind. Well, that's interesting because that plays a little bit to the story I told you about on the phone, and I'll I'll reiterate it quickly. Here is my father's mother died when I was five years old, and when I met my guides when I was younger, because I wanted to know who they were, I met Mary and David. Mary, I identified as my grandmother on my dad's side immediately. But David, he was kind of a wild card. He was about 19 years old in my mind's eye. Again, all this is imagining. I'm not seeing anything solid or even an echoplasm. I'm just seeing something in my head. He had soft features. He almost didn't even look like he barely, you know, had hair on his face. Very, very... um, kind of a warm energy. And and he always radiated, like, just be joyful, have fun. And I was like, shut the fuck, part my language up, because I was so angry, you know, and I was like, I got a hard life, quit telling me to have joy. Like, I was mad at that, that, to be honest with you. I was like, I don't want to hear from you. Okay. I, I have reason to be upset. Cut to 50 years practically later. Okay. My dad dies. And my dad's oldest sister tells me that my dad's mom, her mom, 
had a brother who had died when he was 19 years old from epilepsy. And so then it all kind of coagulates in my head that he lost his life. He was excited about life. There's so much in life to be joyful about, regardless of, you know, what we perceive while we're living it. And he was encouraging me to grasp on and and to know that he I only saw these two people together and they were siblings. They were siblings. I was blown away and so validated. And and I kind of want to say this because the human's like, I need validation right away. This didn't come for decades. And it didn't come until after my dad passed. So there was something that made me feel as if my dad was finally validating my sensitivity from the other side. Can we uh, go over... Maybe as the last part of the free hour, can we go over some of the other tools that one might employ to start practicing and figuring out what their best way is to get this kind of guidance? Like, I'm pretty sure in the kit would be things like writing um, <laughs> or you could call it automatic writing. That's how it worked yeah. for the guy I mentioned at the introduction and his guide. For me, I I learned this technique. I haven't really done it for a long time because I haven't felt like I needed it. but in my early twenties, after my experimentation with uh, psilocybin and things like that, and having a huge shift in, in vibration, for lack of better terms, I would notice that when I was, you know, having gone most of my li- life in memory not ever being quote in the zone, knowing what it felt like to be in the zone, I could just like I would do this while I was driving about, but I would just start uh, talking or singing. <laughs> And letting whatever comes out, come out. And it would be like someone else was talking to me about my life and about what I should, I could be doing or like what my, it was always in the realm of potentials and possibilities and and empowering. And it was like really intensely foreign in terms of the, the way the flow state was happening. I was not consciously choosing any words. I was not premeditating or thinking. I would just like open my mouth and it would come out. I don't know how else to describe it. I might as well have been making gibberish sounds. That's how much intention I was putting into the the words, but messages would come through. And I never really tried this like in front of anybody, but it worked for me. It worked for me. And that was one way that I felt like, okay, there's some kind of force out there that I'm communicating with that is watching me and helping me out. Well, I think that could very well be because of the Pisces energy, because we're a harmonic universe. I believe in many ways, the reason that the man has language is because it's part of the harmonic evolution of co-creation. I really think we're here to create, not to remember or learn anything. So what you might have been doing inadvertently was using your voice as a harmonic Tool and allowing this portal in your mind, which would be kind of that Piscean to just sort of be this vessel. Because I think about it, you know, you said I might as well have been saying gibberish. When I hear a foreign language, they might as well be talking gibberish to me too, because I don't know what they're saying. So your intention and your vibration were probably being reflected in that tone.
own. And that's where you were feeling the ebb and the flow. When I was in my 30s, and I don't know why this was happening, but it was like every night before I fell asleep, I felt like I was being told a story, like like some invisible forces were giving me a bedtime story. I couldn't tell you what the stories were. I couldn't. I, I they always felt like sort of like a Disney Hobbit story or something, you know, where you're in a little forest or whatever. But I cannot tell you what the stories were. I just was like, as I was drifting off to sleep, it was this very consoling almost energy, like, like a mom almost telling you a bedtime story. And I kind of feel like now that I can look back on it, you know, when I was in my thirties was in the nineties and, you know, technology hadn't quite taken over the way it does now. And my career didn't start until technology had advanced to a place that broadened my reach. So I didn't have to write a book for Hay House or any of those kind of things. And I feel like spirit was kind of telling me stories of a future that would, and I don't know if it was a future, but it was a story of something I was currently creating that would manifest down the line. It was very comforting to me. So I think the key to all of these little avenues to, to connect with your, your team is to trust your own process, allow yourself the privilege of creating that process, just the way you create a language with your bird or a language with your cat. Or if you have two different animals, sometimes you even communicate differently with them because they process differently. So I, uh, first of all, I was absolutely going to say automatic writing, but it's also a willingness to just sit there and let whatever craziness comes out of your brain onto the paper. If you're looking for it to make sense all the time, you you won't feel your connection because you're there's a resistant energy blocking it, you know? Like, like the process is about marrying the irrational and the logical together. So you have to be cool with the irrational to get there. To get to the logic. You kind of have to be cool with it because, you know, the, the thing about you said long distance is a, is a traveling thing. If you think about looking for signs on a long distance trip, your vibration is different than when you're traveling in your everyday life. You're easy. I'm going on a trip. I'm not heading anywhere fast. I can look out. But when you're in your everyday life and you're in the road, you could be getting the same messages, but you're so busy, you know, doing this that you miss it. So I came to really, you know, I'm kind of a message looker all over the place. Like I feel like they come, I had a bird fly onto my screen and land like weird, like this the other day, like almost like a Uranus look, you know, like the bird looked like it was topsy turvy. And I thought, Oh God, is it, why did it do that? And I worried it was going to be dead and, you know, but then it flew off. And the minute it flew off, I thought, Oh, so my immediate thought is to think something's bad, but keep your sight up like the bird and fly, you know, I mean, there's people kind of have to be willing to be the driver of this communication, to be the one that's saying, this is how I understand things. Fill in the blanks. This is how I learn. This is what we want from our teachers. Um, when we put our kids in school, this is how he learns. It's probably not news to anybody in this audience, but the point where you shift from there even being such a thing as mundane, <laughs> you know, cause we're in this trained in this sort of materialistic lens that, ah, oh, that's meaningless. Oh, that's meaningless. But whenever you make the shift to interpreting everything in life, everything within your field of perception at every moment has some sort of, in has some sort of meaning and the stuff that is most 
mundane, for lack of a better word, would be the things in your surroundings and your home. But if you really comprehend this, then you know that everything in your space where you live is like a a layer of your psyche. (laughs) And then it's a lot more important, like how tidy things are or whether or not you're going to keep and hold on to these things that represent a version of yourself that you've far outgrown. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know we got to probably take a break, but I got to tell you a quick story. Um, in in the awareness of that, when my dad died, my stepmother graciously gave my sister and I a thimble of each one of my dad's ashes while she kept the big urn of his ashes. And I still have the urn. But after a couple of years, I thought, I don't want these dead ashes of this man in my house anymore. I know he was my father and I should probably revere them. And I gave them back to her. (laughs) She was so offended. But I kept the urn and I actually keep the urn next to a statue of Kuan Yin. And Kuan Yin, you know, represents love. And she's pouring and, and I have her pouring the love over the urn. And and I know that many people may think that I'm very disrespectful in, in that action. And I apologize for those of you that think that. But I don't really think my dad's dead. I think that's just like me carrying around a pair of his old underwear, you know, or an old suit of his. And I didn't want the that 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 stale energy. I wanted to think of him as something that was blossoming and growing. So I rearranged how that looked for me. Well, we're we're about there in terms of the uh, the first hour, maybe a little past, but it's been fun. It's kind of been a whirlwind. I have a lot that I want to still talk to you about, and especially your take on astrology, because I know you have a, a strong relationship to what people would call the malefic planets. And there's there's also a big node shift. We're probably all feeling it. That's coming up, I think, tomorrow, you said. So we'll talk about what the nodes represent in astrology, what it means that they're shifting. I'd like to get realistic about what you might consider weaknesses in someone's chart, how to work with that. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's more (laughs) guide related questions in there, too. And um, maybe we'll talk about some of uh, your work with tarot and different kinds of decks. What makes a good Oracle deck in your mind? Lots of good stuff uh, to get into. And before I have you give your plugs and final thoughts to our free audience, I wanted to remind everybody that tunings are open for business. We got lots of room in the uh, August calendar for people to get a tuning. And I'm going to real quick read a short little testimonial that came in uh, the other day from a recent client. She says, this is from Kat. She says, my experience receiving a tuning ceremony from Chance was amazing. He was compassionate and thorough, and we even had some moments of humor sprinkled through the session. Chance took ample time to connect and was 100% present and attentive to the work we were doing. I felt very supported and acknowledged. Things have shifted in obvious ways for the better in my life after our session. My knee pain has resolved, and I've been testing it, and it's definitely gone. Emotional kinks are working themselves out. It's obvious Chance puts his heart and soul into this work. And I'd highly recommend anyone seeking deep healing to experience a session with him. So <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a pretty good testimonial out there, guys. So I, I think that this this tuning stuff, you know, where Terry's work has the ability to help you see what choices you have in life and the directions you can go, maybe even get into a better recognition and alignment with what you actually want for, you know, for those of us that are out there thinking, I don't even know what I want or where to go Uh, for specific health challenges, getting to the bottom of where 
those are originating and what kind of psychic elements are in play. Tuning super good for that. So you can check the show notes for a link to how to get onto my calendar. It's interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing. And Terry, what do you have for uh, for our free audience before we move over to the uh, the second half? Anything you want to leave them with and then give them your plugs where they can find your work, how they can get in touch with you for sessions and all the above. Um, well, I guess, um, you know, I'm kind of funny because I, I don't, I'm not used to plugging myself. I always forget to do those things on my channel. I, you know, I really would just want to encourage the, the audience to, to, you know, I'm the kind of intuitive that I feel I'm not trying to wow you. I want you to feel the power of your own co-creation. I got to tell you, Chance, when you talk about this harm, this tuning thing, all I can think about is it's a harmonic universe and everything is vibrational. And of course, your work is going to be amazing. So for me, I guess it's similar because I'm hoping that when I do a session for you, that your vibration of your voice is aligned to what it is you want to experience. So you're aware that when you're chiming into the story you don't enjoy and you're bitching about it and you're complaining about it, that you're co-creating. I guess really that's really the, the caveat of what I want to do. I want to bring an awareness that you don't need to judge. You don't need to criticize. It's just a point of, of awareness. And as somebody who's done this work a long time, I don't always see the solution. I don't always jump over here. Oh, yay. I'm going to be happy. Lots of times I have to say, will you help me see the solution to this? So I think it's just, again, a conversation and the less judgment, the less frustration is attached, the less criticism of self and your experience, the more spirit has an opportunity to open up and give you information. So if you want to know more about that, you want to get a past life reading, you want to get a natal chart, you want to get a transit chart, you want to do a synergy chart, I'm available my credits are below whatever they are in the description. <laughs> Terryhunter.com. That's Terry with one R. Yes. With one R. R I. Yes, that's true. I got to get better with this idea of how to, I got to get a, I got to get an elevator speech for that plug. I, I haven't worked that one out. <laughs> yeah. I think you're, you're pretty used to just doing your own thing. You're almost like, felt like you were surprised. Like, Oh, you want to have me on a podcast? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of am. You're I, good for this though. You should get out there. Well, I'm a South Node in Aries in the 12th house, so I'm kind of used to doing my own thing on a kind of low-key level behind the scenes. So, so uh, we're going to have a little in musical interlude. Thanks, everybody, for being here. If you want to hop over to the Rockfin side, I'm dropping a link in the live chat. It'll also be in the show notes if you're catching this after the fact. Big thanks to everybody who's been here for it live. That's where the good vibes are. I'm glad you're all here. And if uh, Rockfin's not your thing, there's also going to be the Patreon option that'll be uploaded after the fact. And in the meantime, got a few minutes of interlude music for you guys to go over to Rockfin and sign up if you need to by my buddy Oliver, a.k.a. Volo. You guys probably know him. <laughs> Good music uh, incoming. And we'll take a little break. See you guys on the other side. Much love. <laughs> 